And good morning, I'm Kylie, and I'm going to be reading the New Testament reading from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviour, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of the Lord. A little bit of an adjustment there. Uh, hi friends, I'm Mick. Uh, we're going to be spending time in Colossians 1, uh, 15 to 23, so make sure you keep that open. Uh, but let me pray before we begin. Uh, our Father in heaven... Uh, you have made Jesus to be Lord over all things. Uh, may our eyes be lifted this morning to see just how much bigger and more majestic is your son, Jesus. And may we be proclaimers of him. In Jesus' glorious name, amen. Well, friends, what is the gospel? I don't know if you stop to think about it, but how would you summarise the, the whole message of what Christianity is about? Uh, what parts would you tell people uh, and how would you explain it? Uh, some, of you, some of you would have heard my story of my first attempt to explain the gospel to someone and that it was a complete disaster. I was in year nine, it was Friday afternoon, I was walking up to the buses and my mate Brendan kind of just looked over me and he said, hey Bullen, why are you a Christian? What's it all about? And what followed was the most incoherent, disconnected yabber you have ever heard in your entire life. Uh, I, I had a moment where I'm sure I remember going from the cross to the divinity of Christ, back to creation. I landed in the law somewhere. I talked about the end of time, and I think this was about three and a half sentences. Uh, th this was just, it was just all over the shop. It was that moment where you look at someone's face when you're speaking to them, and they're just kind of, just gradually, mouth is getting lower, and you go, they're just going, what the heck have I just asked? And I remember stopping mid-sentence. And just saying to him, I'm sorry, I don't think I've explained that very well. And being a good friend of mine, he said to me, no, 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 I totally get it. And then his bus came, which was a really good thing, because year nine boys, awkward moments, we just don't really know what the heck to do. So it was really good that he walked off. And I remember just sitting by myself, and I was red-faced, and I was just embarrassed. 
I think, felt like I'd failed. I'd been totally unprepared. Now, a happy end to that story. Uh, the story ends well that despite my complete incoherence, uh, Brendan that evening was walking home from his uh, tennis. Uh, he saw that local Baptist church uh, in St. Clair uh, had a big banner up that said kind of youth group uh, on tonight. And he thought, oh, I wonder if they can explain what Bullen was talking about. Uh, he reverse called his mum from the payphone. Uh, for anyone who is under the age of 25, that's what we did before mobile phones. Uh, we went to payphones and called our parents. Uh, but he went along and he heard the gospel taught really clearly. And that night he actually became a Christian. We had a really interesting conversation that Monday morning, I'll tell you that right now. Uh, Because God doesn't fail. God doesn't fail in bringing people to himself. Uh, Irrespective of our incompetence, uh, God works. Uh, But that doesn't change the need for us to actually be prepared, uh, to be prepared to speak of the hope that we have in Christ. So what is the gospel? What is the core of what we know about what God has done and how would you explain it? Uh, Well, what we get here in this section of Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 15 to 23, is Paul telling us the gospel in the words of an early written hymn. You see, these words that we see here in Colossians 1, 15 to 23, uh, they cropped up everywhere in the, across the Mediterranean world in the first and second century as a hymn, uh, just a little way of singing a song that reminded people of what Christians believed about who Jesus is and what he has done. And verse 23, right at the bottom there, if you're looking, uh, halfway through verse 23, gives us a brilliant conclusion from Paul, uh, as he says, this is the gospel that you have heard and that was proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. What is the gospel? Well, it's a message that can be summarized from this passage in three words. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And what we mean by that is that Jesus has authority over all things and that Jesus is himself supreme. Uh, And we're going to see that in three sections where it talks about Jesus' lordship in three ways. Uh, The first is Jesus is Lord over creation. You'll see that in verses 15 to 17. Uh, Jesus is Lord of reconciliation. You see that in verses 18 to 20. And that Jesus is Lord of salvation. And we see that in verses 21 to 23. Do have your Bibles open. I'm going to be referring lots to the passage today. And it'd be good for you to be able to see that and and look along. Uh, But first thing we see is that Jesus is supreme because he is Lord of creation. Uh, Look with me from verse 15, or, or listen along, where it says, The Son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created, have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things 
hold together. Uh, You see, Jesus here is described as the authoritative ruler over all of creation. Uh, And this gets unpacked in verse 15. It starts by saying, the Son is the image of the invisible God. Uh, See, we know in other parts of Scripture that Jesus is the visible revelation of the invisible God, that Jesus is God who has come to earth and is living and dwelling amongst us. We can see what God is like because Jesus came down to earth. Uh, But that's not really what's captured in this word image here. You see, when it's talking about image, it's uh, the image here, it's actually harking back to the first chapter of the Bible. In Genesis 1, uh, in Genesis 1, 26, uh, God uh, makes humans in his image. And what's kind of captured in that is not that we are made to look like God, but that God actually gives humans particular authority and responsibility. Uh, For the first humans, their job was to look after the animals that God had made. God gives them authority over the livestock and the birds and the fish of the sea. Uh, That is what God does, and that's how humans reflect God's image. He gives them authority. Uh, Here in verse 15, uh, Jesus' image-bearing is is very similar to what we see in Genesis. Uh, Jesus bears the authority to rule, uh, but not just over cows and fish and hummingbirds. Uh, Jesus is given authority over all of God's creation, given authority over all of creation. And verse 16 expands on the reasoning for that. It begins, for or because in him all things were created. Uh, The heaven and the earth, the physical stuff of this universe and the spiritual forces that we cannot see, all authorities of every single kind, they sit under him. All things were created by him. And if you look at the end of verse 16, it says that all things were also created for him. You see, Jesus is at the very centre of what it is to be a created thing. Everything was made by him and everything was made to be in relationship with him. And what we see here is that Jesus continues then to hold all of this together. It's not like he makes stuff and then goodbye, I'm off to go and play with something else, like my children in our playroom all the time, they'll make stuff, it's a giant mess and they'll just go to the next thing that they'll make. It's not how Jesus works. Uh, Jesus makes this universe and then he's the one who holds it all together. He sustains it. We see that there in verse 17. Jesus is the creator and then Jesus is the one who sustains it and holds it all together. Jesus is Lord of creation. Uh, We are created beings. Uh, Jesus should be at the very centre of what it is for us to live and to exist as humans. We were made for rightful relationship with him, recognising him as our creator uh, and giving the honour that is due to him. But Jesus is not just the Lord of creation, but he's also the Lord of reconciliation. And that's the next point that our passage dives into from verse 18. Have a look with me there. Uh, 
And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. You see, Jesus is not just the supreme creator, but he is supreme in his relationship with the church. Jesus is described as being the head of the body. Uh, He is the beginning of the church. He is the first and the the only one who was faithful to God. He is where it starts. He is the first one and the only one living, resurrected, new life. Those who are part of the body, that's us as part of the church, uh, we will share in Jesus' trajectory. That's where we're going to. Uh, We're going to have new bodies and new life. uh, And that will come to us when Jesus returns. Uh, But Jesus will then remain supreme even in this new, reconciled, resurrected life. And again, verse 19 expands on the reason why that we can know this is true. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. That is, God reveals to us completely uh, in Christ uh, all of the character of God. Uh, We see that God is represented in what Jesus does. We see that God is present in the person of Jesus the Christ. And so again, verse 19, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him, that's Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Why is Jesus supreme in resurrected life? Because it is through Jesus that God reconciles all things. You see, God recognizes that we live in a world that is broken by sin. Uh, We now live in a world where people are actually at odds with God. Uh, We are a people who have persisted in failing to treat God properly. Uh, And so it is a world which rightly should deserve punishment from God. And yet God does not do that. Instead, Jesus, displaying God's character, he steps into our world as a mediator. And his mediation is not to tell us, the the guilty party, to tidy ourselves up, to sort our own mess out and that you'd somehow be okay and right with God through doing that. But Jesus mediates He makes peace between us and God, between us and the Father, by taking our punishment for us, by shedding his innocent blood on the cross, by taking the death that we deserved and dying it for us. And it is because of this action that peace is achieved 
with God. And it's because of Jesus' death that all things are reconciled. Everything in heaven, everything in earth, they are reordered in the death of Jesus and are put in the right order again. Nothing is unaccounted for. All of this accounting uh, we see in verse 20 reconciles everything. And notice who, who it's to. Everything is reconciled to Jesus. That is, Jesus remains the arbiter and the mediator of this reconciliation. And so it's only through Jesus and in Jesus that we obtain access to resurrected life. It's only in Jesus that we find peace with God. Jesus is the Lord of reconciliation. And this message of reconciliation is a personal message to each of us. And that is that Jesus is the Lord of salvation. Uh, look with me from verse 21. Uh, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out to you in the gospel. You see, there's a shift here in verse 21, uh, because it shifts from being all about Jesus. Uh, everything in the, uh, the rest of the chapter has been in Jesus and for Jesus and through Jesus. And it now brings in you and I. You see it there in verse 21. Once you and I were alienated from God. We were in a state where we were separated from God. And there was no way back. We were all in this state because it describes our separation in two ways. Because we engaged in evil behaviour. Uh, and because we were hostile or we were enemies of God in our minds. Uh, and this describes every single person on the planet. Uh, remember, as we are looking at Jesus' lordship over creation, uh, he was meant to be the center. Uh, he was what life was all about. Uh, he was the one that we were meant for rightful relationship with. Uh, rightful relationship with, uh, with Jesus is what good life looked like. And yet you and I and every human on the planet decided that we were going to be hostile to God in our minds. Uh, we decided that we were going to convey this in our actions. And you see, the good news here is in verse 22. But now, Jesus has reconciled you by his death. Jesus has made peace with God through his death for you. And it's not just that he, uh, that he makes peace. Uh, look at what his death achieves. Uh, it makes us holy in God's sight. It, it makes us without blemish. It makes us free from accusation. 
You see, Jesus' death on the cross completely transforms our state. Uh, We move from being a rebel to being made holy. Uh, We move from being stained with sin to being blemish-free. We move from being clearly guilty to being free from accusation. Uh, This is the power of Christ and the uh, transformation that he makes in us as Christians. Because in Jesus Christ, you are wholly and completely and transformatively saved. Because the one who has the authority to judge is the one who took your sin from you. As Romans 8.31 says, if God is for us, who could possibly be against us? But friends, we see here that this is not a universal salvation. There is a conditionality to this salvation, which is seen in verse 23. You receive this transformative salvation if you continue in your faith, established and firm, And do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. You see, being a Christian is all about what Jesus has done. Uh, You might have noticed that we have played absolutely no part in this, this gospel story so far, apart from adding our own sin. But it's a message that we are required to respond to. Jesus does all the saving. Uh, And what we don't do is go, thank you very much, Jesus. It's wonderful that you died on the cross to save me. That's really excellent of you. Well, you go over there and do your thing. And what I'm just going to do, I'm just going to go and do my own thing. And we'll see you you know, when you return. It'll be all fantastic and great. No worries. Catch you later, Jesus. Uh, That's not the kind of response that Jesus is looking for. We're called here, and we see it in this passage, we're called to respond by faith. Uh, We're called to pin our hopes uh, for salvation on what Jesus has done and nowhere else. Uh, We're called to reorient our life, to treat Jesus as the Lord that he is. In verse 23, we see that faith is something that we continue in. Uh, It is designed to be our new way of life that we walk in ongoingly. It's a faith that grows, uh, that we continue uh, to be established and firm. Uh, It reminds me of one of those uh, Moreton Bay fig trees. It should be coming up on the screen. You've seen these things? I love these trees. They're amazing. I I thought as a kid they always looked like the best things in the world to climb, but they're so much harder than they look. Uh, But where, where to be like this? You see, these trees have enormous root systems. Uh, They aren't going anywhere. Uh, In gale force winds, those trunks, they don't even flinch. Uh, Where to be like that in our faith? Established, firm, unmoving from this gospel. Where to be pinning our hopes solely on Jesus We're to be burying our roots deep in his truth. We're to be growing solid in our love of his gospel. And so, friends, I wanted to ask you, 
Are you feeding your faith? I'm glad you're here today at church. I'm glad you're here and, and looking in at God's word. I'm really encouraged to see lots of heads looking down and reading the bits of scripture. That's, that's excellent. Uh, but are you feeding your faith throughout the week? Are you, one way that we do that here at church is that we gather as, a, as growth groups uh, to read and to encourage one another and to pray for each other. Uh, if you aren't someone who is connected with one of our growth groups, I would love to meet with you afterwards uh, to be able to introduce you to some of our growth group leaders and to be able to encourage you to be able to join with them and meet with them to keep burying your roots deep into God's word. Uh, if you are part of a growth group, can I encourage you to keep loving your growth group? Uh, be excited to be there each and every week. Love the opportunity that you've got uh, to meet with one another uh, so that you might mutually strengthen each other, that you might mutually encourage one another to be standing firm in the gospel and not to be moved from it. Friends, Jesus is Lord of salvation. He offers reconciled transformation to anyone who responds with a life of faith. And this really brings us full circle to look at the second half of verse 23 that we started with, where it says, This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I Paul have become a servant. Friends, the gospel is great news. It is the message that Jesus is Lord, Lord over creation, Lord of reconciliation, Lord of salvation for all who place their faith in him. Uh, but there are three words in this sentence which really help us in finishing. Uh, it's the gospel that we have heard. Uh, if you trust in Jesus, uh, then the message you have received is the same as has been taught by Christians throughout the ages, right back uh, to, to the point where Jesus returned to heaven. Uh, there is only one way to be reconciled with God, and that is through Jesus. Uh, two, this is the gospel which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Uh, Jesus is Lord over every single creature and being in this universe, regardless of their response to him. Uh, but this is a gospel which is especially proclaimed as we Christians speak this good news to others. Uh, we became Christians because someone first lovingly spoke this good message to us. Uh, and so we have an opportunity to likewise lovingly speak the good news of Jesus to others. Uh, friends, we live amongst roughly 158,000 people in the Campbelltown city area. That's a lot of people, isn't it? Uh, over the next 15 years, that number will increase by approximately 114,000 people. You can do the maths yourself. There are a lot of people uh, and there is a lot of opportunity to speak the gospel to people who would not have heard. And friends, this is just people on our front doorstep. Uh, we need to be people who prepare ourselves to proclaim this gospel. 
Because right now, we have an incredible opportunity to do so. Uh, I've been running a short four-week course. Uh, it's called Christianity Explored uh, for the past five years. Uh, it's simple. It's just a really straightforward, easy presentation of the gospel uh, that you do in four sittings with a friend uh, while also reading through the book of Luke. Uh, this year, one of my goals is to train 50 people in being able to use this. Uh, my goal is that you might have something that is ready to go, uh, that you won't be caught flapping like 15-year-old, embarrassed, year nine, little me. I wasn't actually that little in year nine, but that's okay. Uh, I don't want you to get caught in that moment. I want you to have something that is ready to go, that if someone is wanting to find out about Jesus, that you can sit with them and you can guide them to know what it is to know and to trust and to follow Jesus. Uh, this is a gospel that we have the privilege of being included by God in, in proclaiming this to the people in our neighbourhood. And friends, this is a gospel, thirdly and finally, to which Paul says he has become a servant. You see, when Paul placed his faith in Jesus, his whole world changed. Every facet of his life was understood in line with the faith that he had. And so he proclaimed this gospel with all of his strength. Friends, we might pray that the gospel might indeed uh, capture our minds uh, and it might capture our hearts and that we might serve with zeal Jesus as our Lord. Let me pray. Jesus, you are Lord, Lord of creation, Lord of reconciliation and Lord of salvation. Lord, we recognise that we were alienated to you, but that in Jesus' death on the cross, you have transformed us. You have made us holy, unblemished and free from accusation. Lord, work in us by your spirit that we might continue to be rooted and built up in your gospel. Uh, and Lord, may we be people, uh, uh, that we might be people who hear, uh, that we might be people who proclaim, uh, and that we might be people who serve you faithfully as our Lord. Amen.